What's up? It's Mike Russo. This is the intro for episode 27, Grey Light Ghost. This is part two with Mark Rocco. This episode, we talk about sci-fi movies and the science fiction story that Mark wrote. It's called Grey Light Ghost. You can check it out at greylightghost.wordpress.com. Now that's grey spelled with an E. G-R-E-Y. I highly recommend reading the story. I loved it, and I'm not a reader. I really, really enjoy it, and I think you will too. Greylightghost.wordpress.com. And um, there's leaf, there's space for comments on that site too. So you know, hook it up, hook up the comments and stuff. And I, I'm not sure, but I think there's a follow option. But uh, you know, if there is, hook that up too. And I appreciate if you uh, leave um, reviews on my show and ratings on iTunes. Growing up, not growing old. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, concerns, uh, feel free to email me at uh, mikerussoNY at gmail.com. Hit me up, say what's up. You know, you can even, if you don't want to leave a review on iTunes, leave a review uh, directly to me, man. Criticisms, concern, whatever, man. Let me know you're out there. And I really appreciate that. <clears throat> and uh, real quick, I want to say what's up to the guys at the Positive Podcast. It's a great fucking show, man. These guys can talk about, you know, they, they can talk about playing marbles, picking up girls at the club, you know, you know their theories on what happens when you die, and, and stories from their youth, and it's all fun. And it's all interesting, man. They, I never have, and never have wanted to play marbles until now. These guys made that shit sound like so much fucking fun. I feel like I missed out, man. I really do. And um, it's, it's a re really, really good show, man. Check that shit on i on iTunes. And um, they're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's the Positive Podcast. They also have a website. Which I'm sure through those social media networks you you can find the link to that. Yeah, I got some real nice shirts in there, man. Yo, that royal blue was fucking serious. I like that royal blue shirt. I might even fucking take that shit for my show when I make my shirts, <laughs> motherfuckers. And uh, yeah, yo, check out uh, Rebel Songs podcast as well. It's a real good show, different from Positive Podcast, but equally good. Two of my favorite shows. Uh, Rebel Songs podcast is like a music show. She plays hardcore punk, oi, man, all that good shit. And the host, Mandy, she's a badass bitch, too, man. Definitely leave reviews on iTunes for the Rebel Songs podcast. Okay. Episode 27. There's um there's a spot towards the end of the show where um, you're going to have some lost time. Uh, I, use my, uh, I use my iPhone to do this podcast. So... Anyone with an iPhone knows that when the battery starts to die, there's a, there's a message that comes up that says, you know, 20% left or whatever. So when that message pops up on my phone, um, the show shuts down. So there's, there's a minute there where Mark's talking about one thing, and then he's talking about something else totally. But I only lost about 70 seconds or so. So even though it'll sound like he just straight up changed subjects, you didn't really even really miss that much. Alright, so, uh, yo, let's recap. Positive Podcast, great show. Rebel Songs Podcast, great show. Graylightghost.wordpress.com That's gray spelled with an E, like those fucking limeys over there. And I want to thank Mark Brocko for doing the show. It was really great, man. You did a, you did a great job, man. Can't wait to have you back. Yeah, it's it's going to be fucking great. And um, I want to give a... Uh, I want to give a plug to... um. Uh, TSLBakery.wordpress.com also. 
That's T S L Cakery dot WordPress.com. That's my girl Angela, man. Check her out. She bakes some shit. She hooks up the bakery shit. Uh, this is um, episode 27 Gray Light Ghost. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. of aggression by any group, anywhere, can no longer be tolerated. There must be security for all, or no one is secure. Now this does not mean giving up any freedom, except the freedom to act irresponsibly. But if you threaten to extend your violence, this earth of yours will be reduced to a burned-out cinder. Your choice is simple. Join us and live in peace, or pursue your present course and face obliteration. We shall be waiting for your answer. The decision rests with you. All right, Mark. So you're a, a big science fiction uh, fan. Fan is a dumb word. You're a big science fiction aficionado. Is that a good word? Yeah, you could say aficionado. You could say junkie. Junkie. Sure. Why not? Well, we're at it. Wow, that's a that's a strong word for fucking science fiction junkie. That means like you're addicted to it. I think I am. What's some of your fucking addictions? Like, I mean, like, what's your heroin in science fiction? Um. Kind of hard to say. Um, for me, it's not so much about the technology specifically. It's what technology has to do with society. What I like most about it, what I like about science fiction is that it's, you know, whether it's now or whether it's in the future, you can see how society works, how culture works. And this goes back to me... Uh, you know, uh, taking archaeology as a major and wanting to do that kind of stuff. I was just very interested in, in culture, civilization, how it evolved. And um, the future is, is just another part of it. I mean, if you look at it for, as, as things that haven't happened, you know, but then sometimes I like to look at these movies or these stories or what I write as things that did happen or are the present or have happened in the past. So, uh, you know, things like Star Wars, they're great. I wouldn't consider that science fiction. I would consider that science fantasy. Well, that the Star Wars is always looked at as like a Western, too. Or it, like an opera. It, it's, it's very grandiose, you know. For me, what I like about science fiction is how human nature, through throughout the natural course of the progression of civilization, will lead to an end result. And... I like to explore how that end result is still very much how we're similar today, you know. Just it's just another page in our in our in the book of uh, 
human progress. Right. It's like even though this guy is walking around with um a hundred percent robotic legs. I mean, we have we have prosthetics now that work pretty good, but he has robotic legs. But at the same time, the same tropes of society still exist, even though this guy's got robotic legs. That guy's got like a fucking contact lens that accesses the internet. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I mean, people see it as things that, you know, might not happen or can't happen. You don't know. It could just be another chapter in the same book that we happen to be part of. It's just, um, and that's the way I uh, I look to look at it. You know, it's, um, that's why when I am a fan of science fiction movies or when I write science fiction, I don't think about like 10,000 or 100,000 years. I think of a couple generations at the most, like 500,000, where there's, where when you're, I like it when there's a hint of what we have now in the story where we're just, you know, just far enough where they barely remember us. Almost like how we are with the Egyptians and, you know, maybe the Atlanteans or whatever it is, you know. In Star Wars, do you think anybody ever mentioned Earth? Who knows? It could be far, far away. It could be a long time ago. Whatever it is. But, you know, for us, you know, you look at these ancient civilizations like the Minoans and Stonehenge. I kind of like to look at it in, like, that point of view where, you know, we're here and we're talking about them where I like it where it's in the future and they're talking about us. That's what I like to uh, that's what I like to tie into. And 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 you know what I like my favorite I I'm not a science fiction book reader, but a lot of the science fiction that I like is based on books. And some of my favorite science fiction movies are pretty much based on the same author. I like Blade Runner uh, RoboCop, Starship Troopers, Total Recall, and uh, um, actually more recently District Nine, which isn't from Philip K. Dick or anything, but but the the the, the thing with with Starship Troopers, RoboCop, Total Recall, those worlds, I can almost relate to them. They look lived in. They look not that far from my world. They're plausible. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, well, RoboCop was was more of like a, a a parody kind of, but yo, that fucking world, I believe that world where they made some guy into a fucking robot. That's possible. They're you know getting pretty damn close right now, you know. And it wasn't that; it was just almost like I could touch it. It was right there; I could touch it. They at the present moment they're working on um, using. Uh, sensors in the mind to manipulate certain things. For instance, there's this lady who has a robotic arm and it's tied into a brain. I saw that. You That's saw fucking it. sick. Where she's eating the chocolate. Hell yeah. Yeah. And um, it, she just thinks about it. And we're getting closer to um, being able to read minds. There's, um, for instance, um, there was a study going on about how you can look a person would either read or say a word and they would look at the pattern that it made in the brain and they could identify it up to about 80% of its trace. So if your brain is making these certain kind of patterns, they can almost read your brain. They're getting pretty close to getting it down pinpoint, which is kind of scary. Do you think with like the internet and stuff, um, 
the internet, the world being closer, Google Glass. Have you ever seen Google Glass? I haven't seen them in person, but I know what they are, yeah. It looks like a fucking futuristic movie. Mm-hmm. People walking around with that shit on their eyes, like almost like the guy from Star Wars. But do you think, like, eventually people are going to read each other's minds? Because you're going to go up to someone and just know their whole shit by scanning something or looking into the Google Glass and the whole history comes up and eventually people aren't going to communicate anymore with mouths. Privacy is definitely a thing of the past, you know, and when it comes to the technology that we have going on today, it's um, it's actually driving us apart. It's not bringing us together, you know. It's um, Yeah, you're right. Everything is marketed to the individual, you know, and, you know, I, I I talk to my friends more through text message than I do anything, you know? And um, this is probably the longest conversation I've had in months, years maybe, you know? I mean, uh, mostly... A, a non-digital yeah. conversation. It's true. And, um, you know, the phones and computers, um, I love what they can do for bringing you information, but they're just bringing people farther apart, you know? I mean... There are people I've, there's like girls I've had relationships with over the computer, and whenever I meet them, like you know, I see them in public. I have nothing to say. It's not like, the real. It's not the real. It's not the real thing. It's weird. Yeah. You can't fake that real person-to-person interaction. See, I'm, I guess maybe just because I enjoy writing, and I'm, I'm good with the written word. It's easier for me to say what I feel or say what I think I want to say. Through the written through the written word, so maybe that's why I do better like that. You know, I mean, most people, some people are just people person. I don't think I'm a people person. You know, I find people to be generally displeasant. Yeah, that think we can definitely yeah. all agree on that. Yeah, <laughs> people fucking think. I'm flipping through this book here. It's the five hundred. Why five hundred and one must see movies? Not five hundred. Five hundred and one. What's the one? Fucking Forrest Gump? Like, what's the one? Forrest Gump's probably in there. I don't like Forrest I mean, it doesn't hold up. It was good at first, but... You didn't like Forrest Gump? I did. Now I don't. I think, personally... Well, I don't think that Forrest Gump is the best movie of all time. I think that it's what you can consider a perfect movie. It has perfect progression. It has involvement in the characters and their lives and enough backstories. It just... Forrest Gump just rolls so well... From moment to moment to moment, there's a dull moment in the whole movie. Yeah, I, I liked, I especially liked the Vietnam shit. I liked Forrest Gump a lot, but I watched it recently and it just didn't do it for me anymore. I don't know what it was. It just didn't. You know when you're flicking through the channels? If Blade Runner's on, you're watching it. Yeah. Beginning, middle, end, whatever. Sure. You know? Is Decker a fucking replicant or what? Well, the you have to look at the um, there's two different versions. There's the the version that came out in the cinema back in what was it eighty two, um, which uh, Ridley Scott was um, not really happy about the uh, the studio they made Harrison Ford put over this this horrible you know uh, narrative that he you could tell that he was begrudgingly doing that, and um, if you really want to see the quintessential. Blade Runner, you got to check out the director's cut. Um, that's how you figure out that he might be a replicant with the uh, with the unicorn at the end. 
So what what was up with that guy? He um, was always making those fucking origamis. Yeah, I don't know. Was don't he know. a fucking was he a robot? You know, maybe he was. Because he didn't have any real Well, that doesn't make any sense because the replicants did have personalities, but Yeah. But he was just a weird dude. <laughs> he right. was just some weird dude in a weird world making fucking paper animals. I know. What did the unicorn represent? Interesting. Um, was that like a just kind of a representing of the dreams? The uh-huh. um, it's a pos- possibility. The purity, maybe. Um, time gone by. Um, I mean, uh, if it is an implant, you know, it um, it could be an implant of uh, a calming memory. You know, like they said, they needed memories, and uh, I guess if you just look at the that kind of a dream in in you know in its its wholeness, it's probably just a nice dream. So I mean, the unicorns are f- like a fake thing. Yeah, I oh, mean, but replicants are fake. But that it could be just that simple. That could be true. That could also be true. I never really thought about it that much. I always kind of just thought of it as maybe um, that guy being a fucking weirdo. Yeah. I just thought of it as being like, uh, you know, just uh, a dream. Not a regular dream, but a dream dream. Like, you know, more than more than what you have, you know. Um, what did you get from the book? The book was very good. Which uh, is called what? Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Right. I thought that was very good. Um, they're fairly similar, but the, the book, the book, I think, explores a, mil- a little bit more of a loneliness of the droids. You know, and I gotta tell you though, um, the movie captured that because I felt that the loneliness of the fucking replicants. Cause True, but I think the title in itself, "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep?" Basically, in the book, people, uh, I guess, because animals are just so rare because of the way that the world had become. You know, they're they're dying out; they're not around anymore. You know, um, having an animal is seen as a, uh, you know, uh, simple status. You know, it's a uh, social status. And and it's, it's also being human, being able to take care of something and sure. nurture something. Sure. But it's definitely in, in the film seen as, you know, if you have an animal, it's like, you know, you got a Prada. But if you have, that's a real one, but electric ones are fake. They're the ones that are people who are trying to act real, like a fake product bag or something like that. So when they say, to androids dream of electric sheep, they're saying, people dream of, you know, having more and fitting in and stuff like that. Do androids, do fake people, do they dream of fitting in? And, you know, do they seek the real thing? Do we, you know, it's like, it's almost like, are fake people shallow? It's, you know, it's like, you know, are they, are fake people... Uh, insecure, and uh, I think that's you know Philip K. Dick talks a lot about you know memory and stuff like that. That's always what I thought. Uh, you know better than me. You read the book, I didn't. But when I saw the title, here's what I got from it: Do androids dream of electric sheep? I just thought because they're they don't have real memories. Dreams are memories, kind of, or or, or like manifestations of what happened during your day or whatever. So androids, they don't really have that. So even their dreams are fucking fake. Even their dreams are androids. Like, they dream of electric sheep. Sheeps are them. Sheeps are a manifestation of them because they're electric. 
Could be. You know what I'm saying? That's just from looking at the title. That's what I thought it was. They could be. You know, they could be dreaming about. Uh, you know, maybe a subconscious they don't, kind of. They're thing. not even really dreaming. They're just kind of whatever fucking circuitry consciousness they have is so simple as they're even the sheep are electric. Yeah, like you know. It, it, it makes you, bu- it kind of bugs you out because you're like, oh, that, you know, that'll never happen to me. But for, you know, for all you know, you know, how do you know that you weren't made yesterday? Well, you would say, well, I remember when I was a kid, someone had an Android, you know, and it's like, what are memories? What is real? You don't know. That shit will drive somebody crazy. You fucking go inside your head and poke around in there. You'll never I come try out. not to think about it too much. Oh, you'll fucking you'll I, go crazy. The thing that scares me the most is how the universe even exists. Oh, fucking think of think oh. about spatial crazy. Like how like how do you get something from nothing? If there's you can't always have something, you gotta have nothing. But you can't. It's like what, it fucking blows my mind. It's the chicken and the egg on a fucking unthinkable scale. Like our minds can't, our minds can't wrap us. We can't wrap ourselves around that because it's beyond us. It is beyond the us. The universe is so beyond us. It, that's and that's why uh, I don't. I'm not getting into an anti-religion thing. But that's why religious people are just, I don't agree with them. How can you disagree with the vastness of space? Well, what the thing that I guess maybe with my personal gripes uh, about some religion is that think about the enormity of the universe. Think about its infiniteness. Do you think you can grasp the infinite? You don't know what the hell's going on. It's, it's so much greater than you. Don't even pretend like you know what the hell's going on. You know what I thought of when you said infiniteness? What? Come, my dear, come, <laughs> Conan. Oh yeah, <laughs> come on, come. I yeah. am the I am the wellspring from which you flow. That's great. The <laughs> um, uh, that dive actually was uh, it made the record for the longest uh, free dive in a movie. When you jump from the rocks into the into the wood. Really? Yeah. See, nowadays that'd be a CGI person. It would be a CGI person. Don't even get me started on CGI. I, no, that's a whole other show because I'm you know. with you on that. I think I know where you're at and I'm with you because I'm looking at a picture right here from the movie called Naked Lunch and I've never seen this movie and it looks fucking sick. I'm just going to say, if you can do it with real people, do it. If you can't, okay, use CGI. But don't use CGI as a crutch. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I think... Uh that might be turning a little bit. People are starting to go back to practical effects a little bit, but I don't know if it'll last. But John Carpenter's The Thing, that shit holds up, man. And those effects were fucking sick. Have you seen the new one? The new thing? I, I saw some of it. I am in love with Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Winstead, yeah. <laughs> you know what? You are not so in the minority. I hear, her. I hear her name a lot. Oh, my God. I Just the things. I would kiss her face. <laughs> you were just like the things I would do. I would kiss her face. No, you don't like, I was, I was it, expecting an anal play. No, you no, no. Yeah, you do that with sluts. But you know, when a woman is like that beautiful, you treat her like a lady. You treat her like a flower. You know, it's like delicate, you know, like porn stars. You slap around a little bit. You make her feel like crap. But a woman like that, kiss the ground she walks on. What did you think of the movie, though? I thought it was pretty good, actually. I was very surprised. I didn't. I, the only thing I liked is when they tied everything together to the original. Oh, at the end with the dog. Yeah, and the 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 the, the Swedish guy. Swedish guy, Bjorn. It's Bjorn. What, a lot of fucking remakes, man. The Day the Earth Stood Still they remade. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't see either one of them. It looks interesting. I saw the old one, but so long ago, I don't remember. You know, I love these science fiction movies, man. Elysium did not do so good, I got to tell you. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm still going to see it because I don't give a fuck what the critics say. Yeah. But uh, that's a bit of a bomb, man. And District 9 was huge. I love District 9. You got to remember, District 9 did really well. I mean, fair, I don't remember how well it did at the box office. It did good. Critically, it did very well. Did good both ways. Yeah. And with nobody in it. It's true. No stars, no nothing. This new movie's got Matt Damon and Jodie Foster, and it's a bomb. I, man, I don't like that. See, maybe that's why, uh, I don't know. Some See, that's, that's kind of... Uh, <coughs> If I were to ever make a movie, I don't know if I'd want to ever use anybody with a big name. Just because sometimes... It's a distraction sometimes. When you see a big person, you see them, you see every single character they've ever played. Like, you know, I think Johnny Depp's a good actor. But when I watch a movie that Johnny Depp's in, I see Johnny Depp acting. You know, it's like I see Johnny Depp, I don't see his character. That's why I think that some of the best cult classics some of the best movies you know maybe they don't have big names you see the character if you don't know who that is then you expect that person to be that person Mad Max is a good example Mad Max is a great example you know he just started off you know he uh, he went to an audition he got the audition because he was all scarred and beaten up from a bar fight he got in from a week before oh that. is that right that's right um he wasn't going to go, but his friend, uh, Goose, it was uh, he was the one who wanted to go, and he, he brought uh, Max along. He brought Mel Gibson along. And, uh, and you know, because uh, I guess he was so real, you know, it, uh, it worked out. You know what's great about that is I saw Road Warrior first. And as a kid, I was like, wow, how did it? Because in the beginning of Road Warrior, they do a little prologue or whatever. And I was like, oh, shit, what happened? I would love to see what happened before this. Not even knowing there was another movie, because in America, it was Road Warrior. It wasn't Mad Max 2. Same, yeah. And then I saw Mad Max 2nd to see how it all started, and I was blown away, man. I was like, holy shit, I love those two movies. They're great. They're so simple. I can watch them over and over again. Just think about how simple they are. No big cast. You know, you got got the people uh, running the the oil place, and then... um, you got the uh, the bandits, and then you got uh, Mad Max in the middle. That's it. Fucking Nothing happens. All they're doing is just give me the oil. But yet it's so perfect, yeah. you know. And the fucking those crazy car crashes and car races, the car scenes, is is fucking awesome, man. It's great. And it's real. Yeah. Real cars crashing, flipping, blowing up. Yeah. They had. I think they had at least three of those uh, interceptors. I, don't, I think they I think they crashed one of them, but I know at least one or two of them are still around. The last of the interceptors. The last of the, the eight interceptors. You know they're making a new one. Did you know that? To make the uh, Fury Road. Yeah. I heard about it. Yeah. Uh, you know Tom Hardy is gonna be Max. Okay. I'm alright with that. Let me tell you why I'm not. I'm I'm good with that. Let me tell you why I'm not good with the movie. Because of the females in it, they're oh. too hot. Charlize Theron. Too hot. Fuck, I can't remember who the other one was. But they're too hot. They have shaved heads, but they're still hot. There's too much. You can't have them in there. Nobody's pretty in the post-apocalypse. Exactly. Thank you. You know, that's that's another thing that I would do if I ever made a movie. Ugly no people. pretty faces. Yes, thank Nobody's you. Nobody's showering. Nobody's washing their faces. You're staying dirty because it's more realistic. 
that's the thing. She's too pretty. You know, um, I didn't really know that much about uh, Tom Hardy. Um, I had seen him in Batman. I'm like, okay, you know, good movie, uh, good actor, you know, but I didn't see anything else uh, that he had did. You know, uh, I saw the character, which was good because I wasn't familiar with him. But, you know, I didn't see his face, so I kind of just saw the character. Then I watched this movie. He was just in Cololis. Have you seen that? That's the, uh, is that? They're bootleggers. Uh, Shia LaBeouf's in that, too. Yeah, I heard about that. And I've been watching that movie a lot lately. And Tom Hardy is just, like, the most badass motherfucker. Is he a good guy or a bad guy? He's the good bad guy. He's, like, uh, <laughs> Ain't hero? he's a good guy. He's a good guy. And he's such one tough, hard son of a bitch. Just, like, a man's man. And uh, I keep watching that, and I'm like, damn, I wish I could be that tough, but there's no way. <laughs> but, you know, now that you mentioned that he was, he's going to be, you know, Mad Max, I'm all about it. Because in Lawless, he didn't speak very much. He was kind of on the quiet side and uh, definitely had a physical presence about him. So if he can bring that attitude that he had from Lawless into Fury Road, I'm all about it. Plus, he's an actor. He's like an actor-actor. I've he was in movies that I didn't even know was him. He was in Black Hawk Down. I had no idea. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was in Black Hawk Down. He was, you know, of course he was Bane. He was in a movie called Bronson, which was a little bit of an independent movie. Uh, but he was huge in that big mustache. Yeah. If you look at his roles, I mean, you can see it's him, but they're all a little different. Yeah. Yeah, it's um. Oh, you know who? I I mixed him up. With, I forget what his name is, like Michael Scott Green or something like that. You saw, um, you saw Prometheus. Uh, Fastbender. Not a Fastbender. Uh, oh, oh, the scientist. The scientist. They look exactly alike. They do, but I tell you the difference, and I noticed this about him when I was watching Prometheus. Um, whatever that guy's name is, he is, he's like a piece of wood. He's tiny. Yeah. He has nothing behind his eyes. He is. He's just like a, he's just like scenery. He's got nothing. He's got no charm. He's got no charisma. Uh, watch Prometheus again and watch how blank he is. Like he should be in a Scream movie or something. I'll watch it again. I like that movie though. I like it a lot. Oh, I can't, I can't take my eyes off it. Yeah, uh, the first I can easily do an hour on that flick right now by itself. The 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 first time I saw it in the cinemas, I was glued. And I remember somebody was like uh, coming out of the theater with me and like that movie sucked. I wanted to punch him in the face. Like you don't know nothing about nothing. You know. You know what? Even if the movie sucked, it was it was still good. Like it 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 had its flaws. It was good on it its was, own, and it, it tied in well to the alien part. You know, and uh, I I mean I I haven't been looking on the internet very much, but I hope there's a Prometheus too. There is. Okay. It's, but it's, it's a different writer. Who wrote the first? Who wrote Prometheus? It was um the guy who did Lost, uh, Dam- Damon Lindelof. Okay. Is, is really Scott going to direct it again? I think so, yeah. Please, God, I hope so. I have a theory. Uh, what do you think about the engineer drinking the, the black stuff in the very beginning on the mountain? Did we talk about this already? Uh, we, I think we talked about this. We might have. You know, let's, let's just recap it real quick. Okay. I'm going to go take a piss. You got this? You got it. You want me to go ahead? Yeah, you Okay. All right. Uh, in the very opening scene, you see the uh, the engineer. He's drinking this black liquid, and it breaks him down. It destroys him. But when you see 
his molecular structure, as the uh, the movie puts out through the CGI and effects and whatnot, it comes back together and then creates a whole other DNA DNA chain. And obviously, you can assume from at least that sequence that he's the beginning of something. But when you see later on with the uh, the black substance, it's there to bring death. And that's kind of what the confusing part is. I mean, they mention in the movie, uh, I think it's uh, Fassbender's character, David, first when you have to create, before you can create, you have to destroy or something like that. I forget how it is. But, you know, at the beginning, it's creative. And at the end, it's destructive. And that's why I'm, I'm not too, too sure about what at least it meant for at the end. You know, it was supposed to destroy humanity in the end. But uh, there's definitely a lot of questions that were left uh, unanswered in that movie. You know, I like that. I like to have to think about it. Um, I don't want to have to uh, guess what happened. I like to... Shit, that's... Uh, it's it's a tough line. I don't want to... I don't want it to be open-ended where it's ridiculous. But I'd like to have to think about it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to be left saying, like, what the fuck did I just watch? Exactly. You know. I mean, there was a couple of what the fuck moments in that movie. And the the black shit in the beginning. Yeah. I think he's on Earth. He is on Earth. He is on Earth. I, I'm guessing that he's on Earth. I mean, that's what they're talking about him. You know, he it, it broke him down uh, uh, molecularly. And then uh, you see it fizzle out. And then it comes back together into a full DNA chain. So when they say they, they, they created it. Their DNA matched his. Okay, so it came from him. He took it, he broke it down, evolution began, and it went to, to humans. Now, here's where I'm at. Yeah. I think that scene was after the movie. What do you mean? <laughs> where do you... It's a bit of a jump. Okay. Somehow, that one engineer got off that planet before shit went down. With his little fucking cup of fucking black shit. Because you know the engineers got, got wiped out by their own fucking creation, right? Yeah. I think that scene was in the future. Now, they created that black shit to destroy what they originally created. That's the reason why they made the black shit, was to create humans. I right. mean, destroy humans. Right. Because hum- they created humans out of their own shit. Right. They created the black shit to destroy humans, but then that shit got out of hand, and they they didn't complete their mission because they got wiped out. Sure, I mean when you see um, them doing the DNA structure, they show that the DNA is a match that humans came from the engineers. Right. But see, in the beginning, you know, it's eating the black shit, it breaks them down. The molecular structure comes back again, and then the process of evolution, and then it leads to human beings. Now here's what I here's my theory now. Mm-hmm. It's a jump. He somehow got off with the black shit before shit went down. I don't know how. Whatever. One of them because it wasn't the main guy. Just one of them. Okay. One of the guys. He's on Earth, where it's populated by all the humans. Okay. This is in the future now. He they want to destroy humans. Their their one mission is to destroy the thing they created. Right. So he drinks the black shit knowing it's going to destroy him. The black shit 
not only destroys him, it takes his DNA, mixes it up, it then goes into the river, which is our fucking drinking water eventually. Right. And that black shit, as little amount as it is, that gets into humans for generations, and that's why we're self-destructive. That's why we want to fight each other. That's why we curse at each other. That's why we make wars, and that's them completing their mission long-term. It's a possibility. Um, it, when you look at how destructive it is at the beginning, um, and then you see how it comes together, the scene at least is supposed to make you believe that it's a creative force. And But they created it to destroy. True. But then again, when you see how the, the black stuff, uh, how it acts... Um, its behavior in the uh, the rapid growth uh, it, cycle, the rapid growth, and all the weird stuff that's going on. That's not exactly how you know it happened the first time. He drank it, he disintegrated, and it came back together, and it brought life. So basically, what he did was he had he had DNA to start with. He mixed it with the black stuff. The DNA started over, amplified whatever it may be. But when you look at the black stuff in the jars. Towards the middle of the end of the movie, acts very differently. A little bit will fuck you up or will turn you into a monster or turn those worms into monsters. It's not what it did to him, though. How about that one guy? I was like, oh, come here, little puppy. Come oh, I would have been out. I would have been gone. <laughs> fuck that. The guy was like, oh, you're so cute. The thing looks like a cobra. Quentin Tarantino said it. it's a space cobra. Oh, it looks like a space cobra. And the fucking, oh, little buddy. Like fucking shook a shook a his shin his chin no but that's why the movie's great is cause yeah. you you can see it a bunch of different ways and yeah and I'll be like yo why did this happen I don't get why this happened you'll be like oh this happened cause of this well it didn't happen cause of, and that's why it's fucking well, great what I, I mean what I'm, I don't understand is that when you see him land on earth it almost looks primordial no you know no greenery it, it no. looks very planet of the apesy yeah and I'm thinking you know okay you mentioned one guy mentioned uh, evolution, and then okay, they have a DNA match. Was that DNA match from three billion years ago when it evolved? That's how life got here, and then it evolved from there, or was it more of immediate thing? It just kind of bugs me out to think that you know that um, life started from that exact point, went through all the different branches it possibly can led to a human being after three billion years, then these people, for instance, how did the people know? How did the people in the caves, how do they know about these uh, beings if they haven't visited them? It's just, there's a lot of questions that haven't been answered. Hopefully some of them will be answered. I mean, really, Scott's a genius director. Yeah. I mean, if I, like I said, if I ever had him make, if me make a movie, he'd be the director by far. But these are questions that are fun to try to answer. You know sure. what I'm saying? It's not ridiculous where it's like, why did this happen? You that know, was dumb. Uh, you it's, know, it's fun to try to kind of rationalize You know, shit. I also find myself when I'm writing something and I don't have an explanation for it, I say, fuck it. I don't have an explanation. I don't, you know, like, for instance, he might have a lot of things that he put in the movie that he can't answer. And you're thinking that he, he knows something when he doesn't. Maybe you don't know that he doesn't know anything. Maybe well, he's just like, I don't know what to do. You think about it. That's some of the gr some great song lyrics are, take it as you will. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about your writing. 
I want to get into that. Okay. Gray light, gray light ghost. Gray light ghost is a either it's a very long short story or it's a short novella in the science fiction genre. I've been having trouble trying to tie it into um, what you can compare it to. It's definitely a little bit like um, Blade Runner. It's also a little bit like Metropolis, um, the early German silent film. Well, he's in the 1920s. Talks about class struggle. Um, Sorry, that was bad sign language. 1926? Seven. It was close, but I I put up the thumb like eight. <laughs> I was trying to give you a signal, so you so I didn't say hey, it was 1927. Like I know when I'm looking at the book right now. <laughs> yeah. Um. But the uh the story um follows a uh a captain role uh excuse me a major role, and it's from his point of view. Uh, I narrate it about him, but uh, you know you, you see how. You know, you connect with him on on a, on a level. You know, he has a lot of problems. You know, he's got uh, he's got some drug problems. You know, he's kind of in the uh, twilight years of his career. You know, he's trying to. Uh, he's got this uh, greenhorn, uh, this new uh, this new cadet. That he's he's a bit. He's a bit of. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt sure. you. He's a bit of a loner too. Like you, when, yeah. when you, when he goes home, you kind of you almost picture his house like like. Like very dark and lonely, and you would see like laundry on the chairs or something. Sure. Like that's, uh, I mean, that's definitely where I got to admit, you know, the Blade Runner thing came into, uh, you know, the Blade Runner influence. You know, um, I saw the loner, but then again, I've, I've personally, maybe I've always been a loner, but I've always been fascinated with, you know, the lone, the lone gunman, Mad Max, you know, um, you know, you can even talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, every man has an island kind of a thing. You know, he's the ultimate loner. He doesn't even have a name. Who? The good, the bad, the ugly. Oh yeah, that's right. No name. They call him Blondie. You know, but I guess maybe that uh, comes from you know every person who writes. They write. They put themselves in the writing. And I guess I've always personally thought of myself as a little bit of a loner. You know, you saw my room was kind of like dark. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. true though, because when I was writing the zombie story, my main character, I couldn't think of a name for him. I didn't want to name him my name. Yeah. But I couldn't think of a good name for him. And when I say good, I don't mean like something that sounds good. Appropriate. Yeah. Appropriate, because I couldn't. He was like too much like me. That's. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's um. It's that's why I've always struggled with names, because I think that sometimes they're just arbitrary they don't really even mean anything in the story i mentioned um the bounty hunter that these two are supposed to work with so they can um they're hired to uh to kill someone and i don't give the bounty hunter a name a he doesn't want a name he can't have a name because he's supposed to be you know walk amongst the shadows and i think that it's not important that he has a name i think that it's his character what he does that speaks your name you know how how can you put a name on violence and you know uh you know this. Um, it's uh, callous, so calloused. You know, so I never named him. You, you know, did something really good with the bounty hunter. Um, 
I don't. It's not like you can go to theaters and see it. So I don't know if there's spoilers to be given away. I'm gonna put a link up to the story. So if you want to go um, check it out, uh, you can. But I, I still don't really want to tell anybody anything, because let me just tell you, the bounty hunter was my favorite character for yeah. a while there. I um, I would say that every. Maybe this is true with all writers, but every character has a little bit of the person. I guess I saw a lot of myself in the major, a lot of uh, personal things that we share together, and then I saw myself in the, you know, also in the captain. This new kid, scared, wet around the ears, nervous all the time. You know, afraid he's gonna get killed. And then there's the bounty hunter. It's just cold, no feelings. You know, and then um, there's a couple other characters that I definitely sympathize with um there's going to be one that if you happen to read it you'll um you'll come to see that um speaking of you know sympathizing with this is why i love the story that you wrote and i really do and i'm not just saying that because you're in front of me right now if i did if i didn't like it i'd probably say something like eh, i wasn't really feeling it or i would say yeah it's not really my thing you had me sympathizing with a character I didn't know it existed until the last fucking page. Right. That's, that's like a fucking feat in itself. That's the idea. I mean, you know, you're um, you're you're drawn. You know, I, I tried to build up decent characters. This way, you could enjoy this the story, whether or not you enjoy science fiction. I like to, like I said, I like to write about human nature. I like to write about culture, and I like to write about uh, social struggle. I just so happen to choose to put it in the genre of science fiction because I feel that human nature and society um, they can be amplified through science fiction every civilization everything you go through is a direct result of who we are as humans but I feel like as time goes on it's going to happen more and more and more so when you look at these movies you look at these stories you're like you know, what about androids? You know, uh, what about uh, society, communist society? You know, it's it's just an amplification of either fears or ideas, and um, that's why I like the uh, that's why I like the genre. So what what um, one of the things I, I I when I finished reading the story, um, the first impression I had was I want to know more about this world, this universe. Uh, tell me a little bit about the universe these characters live in. Um, I never really specified it too much just because I felt if I had gone a lot into how the world became to be, it would have had to require a book, you know, or, you know, it just, uh, it would have just been way too, the period would have been just way too far apart. What about the, the world they live in? Like, like what about the greenery? And it's been, I haven't read it in a while. They live in a they live in a city, almost like um, if you remember Drudge uh, Dread. There's the wall, city wall, and there's like nothing around it. Very similar. It's very similar to that. Everybody lives in a city behind a wall um, where there's nothing outside except just you know just wasteland. Everybody's huddled around. There's the popular world, the world that subscribes to government norms, military norms, economic norms, to live above, 
much like we do. And then there's the world below, below the city, where, you know, all the crap from the top, you know, both metaphorically and physically calm down and you see these people scraping by and it's um again it's it's a you know it's a parallel in between uh in between uh so, you know social classes you know here, you, yeah i was just gonna say socially too probably sure yeah here we have an upper class around the world we have a very lower class and it just so happens to be at one focal point in the story so that city is all these people know as the world that's it and i think that's why i chose not to mention other stories or have them linked up with anybody else you have one focal point one universe one state of mind so you can focus on that and if you have one state of mind you can have go as high or as low as you want so everything happens within this one small world and uh, i think the, that, and, and 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 the world doesn't to, to me the world didn't come across as small until you went on the on on the on the underworld, right? The world above seemed vastly small. If that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but it seemed like it was big. Plain. But you can't go too far, right? But once you get on the uh, underground, it was like claustrophobic and fucking tight. There's a lot of different things and, going and, on, and, and 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 it was just like. You don't want to go down there, yeah. and these guys go down there. They have to. Right. It's uh, it's a different, it's a different type of living. It's you know, it's the, uh, the scraps, the rats. You know, it's just, um, you know, you see, this, on top. It's a shining example, but underneath, it's filth. You know, and then I think that's, that like again, that's a parallel. You know, you you see, our world. You know, we stand for all these different things, but behind it, it's not, it's not pretty, you know? I mean, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness it shines bright, but underneath it, you know, it's uh, it's really dirty. It's really bloody, you know? So these guys go on a mission. Now, they're living in this world, and their mission brings them into the underworld, and... and the bounty hunters they guide, who was appointed by, I believe, it was the colonel. I know the colonel for me. I don't know if you did this on purpose. It was conscious, or it was left up to the reader. But I knew I, I, he he just seemed scummy to me from the beginning. Like there was something about him I just didn't like. Like he just seemed like a fucking scumbag from the beginning. Sure. Yeah. He's um, I uh I think I've uh, used uh, some of the uh, immediate uh people that we may or may not work with that um are their empty suits you know they they are so disconnected from the real the way things are they give you know they just tell you give orders you know they tell you to do this and meanwhile the whole time they have an agenda they're pawns they're just these people are pawns and i i I almost think that he's a pawn but he thinks he's the fucking king very good the queen you know that's def he's i was just about to make the same uh same connection is that um you know you know you might be playing a game using these other pieces but you're another piece in somebody else's game of course so he's yeah. kind of stuck in the middle you know he kind of wants uh kind of wants more you know but it's just um you know, there's no escape there's no escape from it you know he thinks he has control but he doesn't 
You know, he's not much different than anybody else. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter what game you play. You are a piece, you know, you're just a piece in the puzzle. Now tell me about, like, when these guys, when the major and the captain, uh, just, I, I I picture these guys in my head. I, I picture... Uh, I picture the major as a as, as like a uh, 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 Jeff Bridges from uh, what was that remake they did of the John Wayne movie? Oh, when uh, he played Rooster Cogburn. Rooster Cogburn, yeah. I picture him like that, okay. and I picture the captain as like a dicky kind of guy. Like, did you see Saving Private Ryan? Remember Up Yeah, Up him like the the little kid. Right, yeah, it's good. I picture him kind of like that, and I picture the <laughs> this is the, the images I've had. The uh, the colonel like Danny DeVito, well, like, <laughs> well, like yeah, like a fucking like a greasy little fat bald guy. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not Danny DeVito. Um, uh, the age difference obviously goes on. Um, the the major, I I saw if I was ever to make this into a movie, the major, I saw as a Michael Bean, an older Michael Bean, like. Uh, Michael Bean. That's you, good. If you guys That's don't really know who good. Michael Bean is, he was in the first Terminator. He was in Aliens. And I it's like I see him because you know him as only being an action star and you know him as being a soldier. Imagine him in his twilight years. That's kind of what I figured. A little gray, a little That's bit. Good. You know? That's actually per- a little bigger. I feel like a little bigger. Maybe a little, a little bigger. bulkier. A little bigger, a little taller. And um, I pictured the, the bounty hunter. I know you, you don't really know comic books too much. There's a comic book character called Lobo. Don't know. Uh, look him up. I feel like the bounty hunter looks like him. He's a big... He's blue. <laughs> but, you know, he's not like a human. But he's just a big, hulking, long hair. Like, he's he's like a... Almost... I don't know what he is. I never read the comics. I've only seen pictures online. Right. He's like a big, bulky, blue guy. But he has like... Almost like traditional Indian shit on him. Almost like scalps or something. It's I don't know. Cool. Yeah, it, you know it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I kind of saw him. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Preacher. Kind of saw him a little bit as um, the freaking the gunslinger, the uh, angel of death. What the hell is this? I can't remember. I don't know Preacher, but I heard that's some fucking badass badass stuff. Great, yeah. So he's the uh, he's the angel of death. It just so happens to be the angel of death is a gunslinger. I want to know about the marketplace. Like, okay. When these guys go on the ground, one of the most vision. Um, uh, um, like the thing I picture the most in my head, I'm a bad reader, man. And this is a huge compliment that I read. I have so much. I can see the fucking words is a compliment to you. The marketplace to me, it was perfect. It was fucking perfect. It was just like slimy. And I don't know if I'm hawking back the fucking Blade Runner or whatever. It seemed wet. And yes. slimy, and just any, around any corner, some shit can go down. Yeah, and some shit almost did. That's uh, that's definitely uh, a good impression. That's definitely what I was going for. Just you know, third world, you know, little huts and stuff like that. You know, think of the, think of the the the, the, the houses and the huts of uh, Rio de Janeiro. They're all on top of each other. Or India too or is like that. In, like Mumbai, it's like, everything's like wet. Mumbai has uh, literally. Mumbai in India has raw sewage going right through it. Imagine all that. Disgusting. All that underground, which makes it even more moist. And uh, you know, I, uh, you know, um, you know, you also see a little bit of that in the story about mediocrity, how it beats you down, how being in the middle of the road, taking orders, 
getting shit on all the time, beat you down. And I guess I figured, you know, listen, I want to do something. I want to, you know, and to do something, you, know, you can't just keep dreaming about it and hoping that somebody's going to knock on your door. Steven Spielberg, you know, uh, publishing house, ain't going to knock on your door. You got to go after it. It took me a long time to figure that out. So this is the first step, you know. So That's great. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Are you, uh, you got anything else in the works? I've been doing a couple of uh, little shorter short stories, you know, like four pages, six pages, stuff like that. Things that don't actually tie into uh, the Greylight Ghost. Um, I'm thinking about uh, if I can't push Greylight Ghost as a short story, I'm going to kind of put all my eggs in one basket, turn it into like a, a medium to short novel. You know, this way, because um, you could easily read this story as the last third of a book. This way, I'll just have to figure out the two, the first two thirds. And uh, I just want to let everyone out there know because we got to wrap it up. My battery's dying. I will be putting up a link on my uh, my site, gungo.podbean.com. You can also access my uh, podcast through iTunes. Just do a search for "Growing Up, Not Growing Old," and. Um, I really love the story. Thought it was great. Thanks. I'll uh, um, I'll send a couple of other things your way. If people if people like it, I'll maybe I'll throw you some shorter stuff or whatever poetry or whatever it is. It can't hurt to to get it out there. Yeah, man, it, it it's great, man. And um, I actually uh when I did a podcast last week when we were taking a break, I mentioned it to a couple of the guys I had, and they were like, "Yeah, give it to me. I want to read. It. I want to read it." So. That's always good, man. I really like it. I really want to thank you for uh, doing my podcast. It's uh, my battery is dying since we've been fucking talking for a little bit now. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's definitely a, definitely a privilege. And I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface on some shit, man. I think you got a lot to say, and I want to hear it. And we I gotta... think if, if people hear this, um, there is a twist. Uh, I just went off the rails, but I forgot to say there is a twist. For me, it was a twist, but I didn't realize it. I have to read it again. Let's put it that way. Mm. You're going to want to read it again. Definitely a twist. Definitely is it a uh, twist or is it... If you're a good reader, you'll know. Possi- yeah, it's a possibility. Because I'm a bad reader. And, uh, it's um, it's a little M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong. Um, whatever his name is. I don't know. That's right. Yeah, that's it's actually... That's 100% yeah, correct. It is. It's probably in the book. Um, no, he didn't make this book. No way. Really? He, he didn't make... Th- uh, I think uh, Six Sense is in there. Oh uh, yeah, maybe the Six Sense is in it. Yeah, one of his not not crappy, you know, pieces of shit that he's been making for the past like, you know, trees that since forever. Yeah. All right, Mark, man, thanks, man, I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. All right, guys, if uh, you want to get in touch with me, email me Mike Russo NY Gmail dot com, Mike Russo NY Instagram, Twitter. You have anything to plug? Any social media sites, fucking anything like that? I guess if you want to uh, friend me on Facebook, Mark Brocco, M-A-R-C-B-R-O-C-C-O. I'm also on the uh, the dating websites. I'm single, and uh, Mike can definitely vouch. I'm I'm a looker. Yeah, good looking chap. <laughs> hey, um, yeah, uh, he's also had four beers, people. Okay. <laughs> what um, do you want to end the show with a song? Uh, well, I'm. You want me to sing it? I would prefer not. Okay. But if you want to tell me what song you want to end the show with, I'll play it. Yeah, I have uh, I have a song for you. Um, it's an instrumental, kind of like a hip-hop beat a little bit. I always thought of it as an 
what I would play and an end credit for a movie I would ever make. Um, it's called Time is the Enemy by Quantic. All right, you got it, man. Here cool. it is. Time is the Enemy. Thanks, guys.